Good morning, everyone. I thought this morning, we're going through Romans uh, chapter 15 this morning, but I thought first I'd read a letter that Orgate has received this week uh, before, and then we'll get stuck into it. It's a rather lengthy letter, so be prepared. Dear Orgate, you guys are great. We've never met or spoken or communicated to one another, but I hear great things about your faith. I'd love to come and visit when I get the chance. Actually, before we go any further, this letter goes on for quite a while, and if I'm just looking at some of the, uh, the hot words here, there's, there's wrath, righteousness, justification, faith, love, liberty. It effectively looks like just a breakdown of the gospel in detail. And from what I'm seeing, there's some pretty bold words here as well. Ah, but actually, you know, if we go on a little bit further, towards the end of the letter, it continues and it says, after that detailed account of the gospel, I have full confidence in you, Orgate, in your goodness, in the, uh, in the fullness of your knowledge and the ability to instruct one another. Peace out, Paul. Oh, interesting. <laughs> a little bit of a confusing letter, though, perhaps. He starts off his letter to us saying how great our faith is that he's heard about it from other churches. And then he gives us a detailed account of the gospel, something that we clearly already have, otherwise we wouldn't have faith. And then at the end, says again that I am confident in your goodness, confident in the fullness of your goodness and the fullness of your knowledge. Why has he sent us a letter about the gospel if we already have the gospel? Why so much detail? Why such bold proclamations? It's a bit confusing. Is he not confident in us at all? Is he lying? And it's just a facade? Hmm. Well, the Roman church is in a very similar place. They have received a letter from Paul also. And they have heard him at the start of his letter say that I have heard about you, church in Rome. I've heard good things about your faith. And then he goes into a detailed account of the gospel, bold words about the gospel, wrath and hell and salvation and righteousness and justification and liberty, very bold, boldly said, and then follows it up with, but I have full confidence in you. Really? It doesn't sound like it. So what is the purpose of this letter? What's the purpose of this letter to the church in Rome? They already have the gospel. What's the point, Paul? Are you just wasting our time? Easily we can ask the same question of ourselves this morning. We are, after all, a church that already had faith. People have heard good things about Allgate. They're generous. We've heard that several times. There is a confidence from Mark and myself and the other leaders, that there is a fullness of goodness here, a fullness of knowledge and ability to teach one another. So why are we going through Romans at all? Why go through the Gospel again and do it so boldly? What's the point? Why are we preaching through Romans? This is the question that we'll be looking at in Romans chapter 15. Why the letter at all? What's the point? And so, we will come to our reading. 
in verses, we're looking at chapter 15, but we're going to look particularly at verses 14 to 21. It says, I myself feel confident about you, brothers and sisters, but you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, on some points I've written to you rather boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to boast of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to win obedience from the Gentiles by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, as far around as Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the good news of Christ. Thus, I make it my ambition to proclaim the good news, not where Christ has already been named, so that I don't build up on someone else's foundation, but as it is written... Those who have never been told of him shall see, and those who have never heard of him shall understand. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for your word this morning. We give thanks uh, that we have the opportunity to be able to sit under it. Lord, to be able to hear what you have to say, what your scripture says. And particularly from Romans, which is so rich in the gospel message, Lord, we pray that we would be able to have open ears and open hearts this morning as we hear your word. Lord, I pray for my own proclamation of your word, that you would give me clarity in my thoughts and speech so that they can be clearly thought and understood but more than that Lord beyond me I pray that you would be present here this morning that you would make yourself known it is only through your Holy Spirit through revelation that we may come to understand more of Christ and grow so Father I pray that this morning you would be present you would teach us in Jesus name Amen There are three reasons this morning to answer for the answer of the question, why the letter of Romans? The first is that it is written to them and preached to us for the sake of growth. Paul says that there are two things that he wants the church to grow in, and so two things that we should grow in likewise. In verses 15 and 16, he says that he is a minister to the Gentiles so that their offering may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The offering that he's talking about is, of course, the offering of their lives. Now that they have been saved, they lay down their lives daily for God. And the sanctification that he is speaking about is the process of being made holy. So he's saying, the life that you now lay down, I want you to grow in its holiness that it becomes more and more acceptable and that it develops in that way. So we are to grow in holiness. 
The second area that Paul says he wants the church to grow in is found in verse 18, where Paul says that the aim of his ministry is obedience from the Gentiles. So just as holiness sets us apart to be just about God, holiness says uh, obedience is what do you then do in that? What is the practical outcomes? Holiness and obedience are the two areas that Paul wants the church to grow in through the reception of this letter. But wait, didn't in verse 14 Paul say that the church is full? It is full of goodness. It is filled with all sorts of good knowledge. How can you be more full than full? How can we grow beyond being full? My mother is a bit of a tease. When I was a child, she would offer, from time to time, as mothers do, to get you a drink, which is lovely, but she would fill the glass up to that point where it is beyond full, you know, just those few millimetres above it, just so she could watch me suffer. (laughs) And now, as an adult, I find that I do the same thing because there is a delight in watching people, uh, you know, have to try and carry this glass of water or sip out of it from the top. I've inherited a sick sense of humour. It takes a little bit of skill though, because a few drops too many and the water starts to spill out and go all over the place. You can only be so full and then it just turns into a mess, a waste of water. So here we have Paul saying, you are full but I want you to grow more. How in the world does that work? Paul can grasp the intricacies of eternity, but as far as volumes in year five math goes, it's beyond him. But instead, maybe of thinking about us and maybe even the church in Rome as full like glasses of water or jugs of water, we should see ourselves instead as plants. A fruit tree is full when it is fully laden with fruit. But no tender of their garden says that's great, I'm satisfied with the fruit that my two-year-old lemon tree produces. They instead say, well, next year I will grow the tree so that when it is full again, its capacity is so much more. It continues to grow and therefore be able to bear more. A fruit tree works a little bit more than a cup. I could have said, our cup grows, but it's a horrible analogy. But a fruit tree is more like what we are. Paul desires our growth and so we are to develop and grow further in our holiness and obedience so that we have a higher capacity for God. Paul has said to the church of Rome, you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct. I think Paul knows how containers work. That is, the second, uh, that is the first reason, and that is the reason that we preach the, the book of Romans. Mark and I desire this church to grow like a fruit tree, to become greater in its capacity. You are full now, and in the next season you will be full again, but capable of so much more, because you are greater in your holiness and greater in your obedience. And we can praise God in both seasons. The second reason for the book of Rome, uh, of Romans, or the letter of Romans to the Roman church, and for us to be preaching it is found, uh, sorry, is that we must be reminded. Reminded of what? Verse 16, 15 and 16 say, 
Nevertheless, on some points I have written to you rather boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Reminded about what? Reminded about the gospel of God. Why do we need to be reminded? Because we forget. We forget about the gospel. And and some of us might say, but the gospel is massive. It changed my life. It brought me life. Nothing has been been the same again since I received the gospel. I will never forget the gospel. But we forget some of the biggest things in our lives, don't we? In fact, the bigger they are, the seems like the more we forget them. How many of us here this morning have said, I love you to someone? Everybody has. It might be to a spouse or a parent or a sibling or a child. And for a brief season, that love works quite functionally. You are intentionally and actively loving them, giving them everything that you possibly can. But then it does slip into the background of your life. It's not at the forefront anymore. And it's only until one day when you, something happens, maybe someone says something or you read a book or they do something themselves and suddenly go, that's right, I forgot that I love my wife. I forgot that I love my husband or my children and I've stopped doing that. We need, we forget things as big as loving spouses and we are just as capable of forgetting how much God loves us through the gospel. We need reminding And it's not something that is unfamiliar inside of the Bible. In communion, Jesus instructed us to do it frequently in remembrance of Him because we forget. But maybe there is another question. If the gospel has already done its work, if I've already been saved, why do I need to be reminded? Does it really matter if we forget about it? It's already done what it's going to do. If we're reminded, it's not going to achieve anything more, is it? I have an apple tree at home. It doesn't bear fruit very often. I've talked to people at Bunnings and Mitre 10 and Googled it. I've got fertilisers, lots of different fertilisers, things you mix in with the water to pour over the tree. Uh, Nothing has helped so far. But I'm still in search of the right fertiliser something that is going to profit growth inside of the lemon tree. Did I say lemon tree? Apple tree, thank you. I have multiple trees, none of them are doing well. (laughs) If my apple tree starts producing lemons, that is a different type of fertiliser. I have to find the right type of fertiliser to help my apple tree start to produce apples grow correctly, to become fruitful. Paul says that it is the gospel that is the fertiliser to us, the reminder of the gospel, the constant steeping in it, that promotes our growth, that brings about holiness and obedience. Reading it, listening to it, talking about it, praying it, having it preached to you, All of this profits growth. It continues to sink our roots more deeply into the gospel. And so we grow and our capacity 
becomes more. This is the second reason for the letter of Romans to the Roman church and the second reason that we preach it here at Allgate, that we might be steeped, fertilised by the gospel of God and therefore grow. The third reason for the letter to the church in Rome and for us here is the most important, so we need to make sure we're paying attention. The reason for the church, for the letter is this, that Christ is in active pursuit of you. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Father's Day and we watched a video where we had a few questions being asked. Who was someone that influenced your faith and how did they do it? And we heard a number of people in the congregation say, yes, my husband or my father or my pastor... How many of you went home and asked yourselves the same question? Who's someone that has influenced my faith and how did they do it? I asked myself the same question and the answer surprised me a little bit. The first things that came to my mind were there were three men that have influenced my faith significantly. Malcolm Wilson, Ray Bell and Phil Brown. Malcolm Wilson was the senior pastor at Gummeracker Baptist Church when I was attending there and when I became a Christian. He baptised me. Ray... Bell was the senior pastor at Coromandel Valley Baptist, where I attended for a few years as well. I've hopped around a little. And he married Catherine and I and is still my mentor. And Phil Brown, well, most of you know him, um, an absolute legend of an elder and a really good friend. Each of these men continued, uh, were eager in their pursuit of my faith and the growth of it. They spent the time and the effort. They made sure that I was continually reminded of the gospel day in and day out. And it promoted growth in me. If my life or my faith is a plant, they were its gardeners. They provided the water through scripture, prayer in sunlight. And every now and then they'd give me a clipping which I didn't appreciate all that much at the time. But they were necessary and they promoted growth. But this wasn't the part that surprised me because what surprised me was thinking about who came before them. What about the days when I wasn't a plant, I was just a seed? Who watered it then? Who provided the fertiliser and got the ground ready? made sure I was in a good spot. That job was my father's and I'd never really thought about it. I'd forgotten about him. So in the background of my life was he. He prepared the ground even before I was born in his own life and his own disciplines, (coughs) making sure that he was reading the word and praying. And when I came along, he prayed for me before I was born. And when I was born... He started teaching me scripture even from the first day with Bible stories. Every day he would teach more through what he did and I owe a significant portion of my faith to him. He pursued me. He desired my growth above everything else and even when it was invisible, even when he didn't know that anything would grow out of this ground that he was pouring his love out upon, 
pouring scripture upon and hours and hours of time, still he pursued. And praise God, something did come about. When we look at our passage this morning, Paul is ministering and pursuing the church in Rome. He's gone out of his way from Jerusalem, as we see, all the way through to Elycrium, which is poorly pronounced, but that's what we're going with. Paul is pursuing them and wants them, but Paul is a man that is on a mission. He is, a, he is on a job and his boss is the one that has sent him. And the reason that Paul has gone so far, that it has pursued so hardly after a church that he has never even attended before, is because Jesus Christ is the one that wants the church in Rome. It is Jesus that desires them, Jesus that wants their growth, that wants them to grow in holiness, that wants them to be covered in the gospel, in the fertiliser that they need to be able to develop. It is Jesus that is pursuing them. And he's doing it through Paul. Jesus is the one that is like my father. He is behind the scenes, watering the ground, providing the sunlight, giving all the fertiliser. He is the one that is working so tirelessly, so energetically and so perfectly to promote growth. Verse 18 and 19, we saw where Paul said that he is doing it through every word and deed through every sign and wonder and by the power of the Spirit of God, Jesus is in pursuit of the church in Rome. And He is in pursuit of you and I. And He does it through people like Paul. Paul said it is his boast only in what Christ has done through him towards to getting the Gentiles to be obedient. And he desires it so badly that, you've set, that he has quickly pursued and pushed the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is the other side of the Mediterranean in a lifespan. And then since then, through many more people, many more hands, so eager is Jesus' pursuit of us that it spanned the world and now is in Australia and has remained in Australia strong so that Jesus could get you and me through the people that have influenced our lives with the good news of the gospel. So we can say thank you, Roman, the church in Rome could say thank you to Paul, but Paul is saying, my boast isn't in what I am doing, it is in what Jesus is, Jesus is doing through me to you. Every time the gospel is uttered, Jesus is in pursuit of you. Every time we are reminded that we are sinners no more, it is evidence of Jesus' pursuit of us. And every time we hear a sermon preached, it is evidence that Jesus is in pursuit of us. This is the third reason for the letter of Romans, both to the church in Rome and to us being preached, having it preached to us right now. Even now, in my own words, it is Christ in his pursuit of you. There are many people here this morning that like me didn't uh, that were like me and grew up 
with someone that had a significant influence on their faith that was watering the ground from before they were even born. People that can point to someone and say, that is the person that hotly pursued my growth and my development. But there are also many here that can easily say, I didn't know anyone that was like that. There wasn't anyone to forget. They felt like instead they did it by themselves or it was a freak accident. No one pursued them. No one made the effort to make sure that they grew up in a, in a way that was going to be pleasing to the Lord. Isolated and alone. But I want to say this morning that everyone here is pursued hotly by Jesus Christ. He has a personal intention to grow and develop each one of us in our holiness and in our obedience. And he continues both through Paul and his letter this morning, through myself this morning and through Mark and other times and other preachers and the people around us, Anyone that is covered with the Spirit that is speaking words of the Gospel into our lives is a pursuit of Jesus. There is no one here that is doing it by themselves or will ever need to do it by themselves. Christ is in pursuit of us. And we can give thanks and praise to God for that. He pursues us with every word, deed, sign and wonder and through the power of the Spirit. Let's pray and give thanks. Father, we come to you this morning giving thanks for your Son. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you this morning because the reason that we know you, the reason that we are here is because of your pursuit of us, because you pushed your gospel from Jerusalem to Australia. And you kept it here until we heard you. And you're going to keep it here until you return, so that we might grow. Father, we give thanks. Because you were someone that worked in the background, even when we didn't notice. You got the ground ready. You gave your gospel. Help us to continue to understand more deeply in the days that we have left, Lord, that we are not alone. We are not by ourselves. That there is someone that is in the background that deeply desires our growth. Help us to be reminded of the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ's death for us and our life now, of what Jesus did. And being entrenched in that, Lord, we pray that we would continue to grow, to be more healthy and to have a higher capacity for you, to be more holy and to be more obedient. Lord, we give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.